When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Solskjaer has won the European Cup for Manchester United. It's absolutely astonishing. The double is definitely Manchester United's. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Absolutely sensational. It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. Manchester United returned to action from the international break to find themselves embroiled in a crazy game at Bramall Lane. Solskjaer's Reds find themselves 2-0 behind and then suddenly 3-2 in front before conceding a late equaliser to Ollie McBurney of Sheffield United. It's a result that has divided opinion amongst the fan base. Some are furious at Solskjaer's tactics and reaction. Others are accepting and others are reasonably positive. Some are a mix and I think we draw into that, that category. We discussed that on Series 5, Episode 16 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. Marcus Rashford right at the end. Oh yes! Six goals, seven minutes of absolute mayhem. A potentially great United turnaround is is spoiled by a deserved equaliser, you have to say, for Sheffield United. And Manchester United were were brilliant for seven minutes, but woeful for the rest of the game, Jack. Absolutely sums up the game. It was a a weird feeling at the end of the the game because I didn't really know how to feel. It was... I was sort of proud of the the team in, in some respects for actually mounting that comeback and not folding. But at the end of the day... We were 2-0 downing at Sheffield United in a game in which we had really not had a sniff until the 70th minute. And that just isn't good enough. I mean, it doesn't matter what, what we did for those seven minutes or how well we played for that little spurt. It's absolutely unacceptable, our, our levels of performance for the first 70 and, and last 10 minutes. It really is. It wasn't as if we were had Sheffield uh, having Sheffield United under the cosh and they were sort of breaking away and scoring goals on the counter-attack. 
it was a classic recent United away performance where we didn't assert ourselves in the game, sitting deep in our own half, unable to get control of the game. And Sheffield United were they look they looked like the the big team playing against a, a lower lower table team. They really did. They were asserting themselves on us. They were dominating the game, and it's just not good enough. We can't keep going on with these performances. Yeah, and I think well, we'll we'll start with the positives before we we move on to Solskjaer's team selection tactics and and the other things that left United's not only two 0 down, but then conceding late on to to give away what would have been a victory. Three academy boys scoring. 80 minutes of, of, of terrible play but uh, an 18-year-old from Manchester scoring Mason Greenwood a 19-year-old from Manchester in Brandon Williams scoring and a 22-year-old in Marcus Rashford also from, from Manchester from Withamshaw scoring as well and that is that's a, that's a huge positive and not only that but there is I find that there is something in this United side that I can really get behind it's it's irresistible in a way that the Rashford, Williams, Greenwood and a few others and the fight in it occasionally on show the football that they they can play is 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 easy to get to get drawn up in, and even in even in a game where we've drawn three three to Sheffield United, I came away smiling at the fact that three academy players have scored. Once I'd got over the initial disappointment of a of a late equaliser that Sheffield United got and and probably deserved. So there there are certainly some positives. There are one hundred percent some positives to, to take from the game. And one of them is that for those seven minutes, despite how short of a, a sample size it is, we played potentially the best attacking football we've played all year. All three of our goals were very well worked. Brilliant finish by Brandon Williams for the first one. A sublime cross and a great one. A sublime cross by Rashford and a great run by Greenwood for the second goal. Some great, uh, some great interchange with uh, Dan James on the left. Gets him behind and pulls it back for Rashford. You know, three brilliant goals and a, and a spell where we played some truly scintillating football, and it shows you what this team can do. This team is very, very dynamic when it's at its best because we have so much pace going forward. We have so many people who, off the ball, have great movement. Dan James, Marcus Rashford, are the top of that list. So there is a lot, a lot of potential in this team. Is what we keep saying. There is a lot to like about it. The issue is that we aren't able to do it for sustained periods. Yeah, and I think the. The positives of, of that game are, are probably best left not being being spoken about for too long because they are they are outweighed by a number of, of different frailties to this United team and to Solskjaer's management which were exposed in that game. And it, it wasn't just one, it was, I think there, there are three problems. Uh, the first one is that, starting from the end of the game, the, the first big problem and weakness in Solskjaer's management and this United team is another point drop from from the defensive frailty from the from the lack of concentration um, and our setup at the end was was conducive to to them coming onto us to Sheffield United coming onto us and finding that equaliser and getting the crowd at Bramall Lane uh, behind them until they until they did and we've seen it before against Arsenal Liverpool Palace Southampton Wolves there have been so many times where either we've given away a 1-0 lead or against Palace where we got ourselves back into the game and then let them score again and it's it's such a common theme in this Solskjaer team that it, it, it just cannot it, it, it's been so long that it's it's amazing it hasn't been fixed yet and I don't think it, it's to do with the the players on the pitch this is a, a separate issue to the lack of quality in the squad to the the injuries that United have this is to do this is one of the issues at United that actually is to do with Solskjaer as a manager I, I couldn't agree more you know obviously the players have to take some responsibility because they're the ones on the pitch carrying this out but 
we, we, it's just not sustainable the way we're trying to play to protect Leeds. I'd love to know off the top of my head. I, I don't know the exact number. I'd love to know how many points we've actually dropped from winning positions this season. Because I can think of at least four games, uh, Wolves, Palace, Liverpool, Arsenal, off the top of my head in the Premier League where we were in winning positions and we didn't end up winning the game. And and that's not, it's not acceptable. It, it really isn't. Uh, I think in terms of the, the whole positive negative spin that people are trying to put on the game, I think the way I would look at it is that Short term, there were definitely some positives to take from the game because we we escaped, we got out of jail basically. And after being two 0 down, if you'd have offered any Man United fan a point on after sixty five minutes, they would have been your hand off for it. Yeah. But long term, this game throws up a lot of question marks about Solskjaer's ability to manage this team going forward. And I think the way we try and defend Leeds is, is number one among those because it's not acceptable that nothing has changed. And I think it, I think in some ways, it's actually that and this isn't something that we thought we would say about Solskjaer going back to last season. I think there's a little bit, I think the, the, the players and Solskjaer are, are scared. I really do. I think they're scared that we're not good enough to play out a lead and, and, and control a game when we're in the lead because we leave ourselves too open at the, at the back. So the solution to that is to, to drop deep, to sit back on pretty much to camp out on the edge of our own box and hope for the best. And unfortunately, unless, unless you're a team like, Jose Mourinho's first stint at Chelsea who would just get a 1-0 lead and then sit back yeah. unless you're that good defensively you can't do it again at this level teams are too good and if you give them 10-15 minutes of constant pressure they're going to find a way to get through it's not even necessarily that teams are too good it's United's defence is, is far from good enough and that's not just to do with the back four you saw for the third goal the mistake kind of came from Dan James diving into a, to a tackle and allowing the, 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 the initial cross to go in for the second goal it was Andreas Pereira losing the ball in midfield for a number of chances it was Fred and Pereira losing the ball in midfield so yeah. there were mistakes from Phil Jones for the first one for Harry Maguire for the second one for Brandon Williams for the second one as well to be fair but it's not just that back four it's how the team is set up and Solskjaer hasn't managed yet to set up a team defensively capable to to keep clean sheets regularly, and that's that's an enormous issue. And if you look at it from the other way round, it's um, I think it's the first point the United have earned or won from a, from a losing position this season, and it, <laughs> we were fortunate to 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 get that, and we were close to a win, but really we, we didn't deserve to win based on the on the ninety minutes, um, and that that equaliser as as much as it pains me to say it was deserved for them so that's that, that's the first issue is that we can't see games out the second one if we go to the, the starting 11 that started the game is that Solskjaer is uh, Jones starting was was clearly a mistake and and it wasn't one that needed to be made um, Solskjaer went to a back five we'll talk about that specifically in a second but by by giving Jones a chance he's he's trusting a player who has who's got multiple managers at Manchester United fired <laughs> these these players like Jones is Smalling who is now having a great time in Roma but but Jones Smalling there there were many before that these are players who who have led to the sackings of Mourinho Van Gaal Moyes the, the, the first thing a manager should do at United is to get rid of these so called experienced players and build up the youth now Solskjaer's gone some exactly way to doing that we were imploring Solskjaer to do over the summer and what yeah. he was saying he was going to do but never ended up delivering on yeah he he went some way to doing it but. I, I understood why he didn't necessarily get rid of Jones immediately, get rid of all of our defenders, get rid of Jones, Rojo, Smalling, Young, all of these lot, because United just wouldn't be able to cope with that that excessive turnover of players. But at the same time, to then go and start them, 
after after months months out not playing for United to start them away at Bramall Lane where Arsenal have struggled, Liverpool have struggled, um, the the biggest teams in England have struggled, and Sheffield United are playing really well at the moment. So then start him there in an unfamiliar formation is 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 senseless. And you know, I, the thing that the thing that get that gets me is that it's not as if we didn't have another competent defender on the bench. I think for me, I would have accepted. Jones starting if it was a choice between Jones or maybe bringing someone up from the academy for their first game because Sheffield United at the moment is not an easy place to go Bramall Lane is you know pretty small stadium but it's right on the pitch it's a pretty intimidating atmosphere so I could have understood it if that was the situation but Axel Twanzebe was on the bench ready to play and has proven already this season that he is a very very good defender and honestly probably should be in our starting back three even when everyone's fit so why on earth was Phil Jones thrown into the fire? And to be fair, I actually feel a little bit sorry for Phil Jones because, you know, he hasn't he hasn't played in, what, three or four months other than a couple of League Cup games. And to be thrown into this game when he probably was never expected to in a system that he's never played before, at least not under Solskjaer, because we've only been playing this for the last month and, and Jones hasn't, hasn't played in that time. You know, I, I, what do you expect? You know, it, it's that simple. What, what do you expect to happen other than Jones looking like he doesn't know wh- what where he's supposed to be at, uh, who's who's marking who he doesn't know what's what's really going on in, in this system and it's obviously that some criticism deserves to go for Jones but at the end of the day this is Solskjaer's fault for not setting our team up properly and and making a decision that I just don't see any sense for if Twanzebe is fit enough to be on the bench he's fit enough to come into the team and even even if he can only manage 65 70 minutes that's much better than ninety minutes of Phil Jones. Yeah, absolutely. And and Twanzo has shown his quality in the in the games that he has played and and deserves that chance. And exactly, it, so it's, it's not possible. like the alternative to Jones was was untested. We know what we're getting from Twanzo, yeah. and we know what we're getting from him is pretty solid play. Yeah. So there's there's Solskjaer's second issue is despite him, uh, one of the one of the big positives of of his management so far at United is the fact that he's got rid of Alexis, got rid of the the players he doesn't want. Not necessarily Deadwood because you couldn't really argue that someone like Lukaku. Deadwood, but he's got rid of the players that that don't fit Manchester United at this current moment in time. So he's got rid of Lukaku, Alexis, Smalling on loan, um, Valencia's gone, Herrera's gone, etc., etc. You could argue with Herrera, but th- that's been one of the positives. So then to to nullify that positive by by playing Phil Jones in this kind of match is is a is a big black mark on on the, one of the good things that Solskjaer has done. Now. The decision to start Jones has two weaknesses. That's the first one. But the second one is that to go with a back five and empty United's midfield with Pereira and Fred. Now, when you're talking about reliable midfielders, consistent midfielders, ones who are not going to give possession away cheaply, these are these are two Brazilians that don't quite come to mind. Um, and it, it's a it's a <laughs> not, not it's a terrible decision. Um, and he rectified it in the second half, but by then it was. It, it was too late. Now, now United did eventually go three-two up, and kind of proved that it wasn't quite too late. But really, the, the the tone of the game had been had been set in a way. And were it not for seven minutes of of intense of, of mistakes from Sheffield United and brilliance from certain United players, including Dan James, and, and some really three really good finishes, United wouldn't have have made that comeback. So. That tactical decision, that starting eleven, the way United set up was 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 crazy. I, again, I I don't, I honestly don't really understand the the decision to leave us with a two man midfield. The whole point of playing five at the back with this team, and it's what we've been saying for months now. The whole point of doing that is that it gives us the extra man in midfield. We aren't good enough at the moment to play two men in midfield 
because we don't have the midfielders that can cover the ground well enough and also play well enough on the ball. And then it also allows us to play with three men in midfield and still have two up front. Because that's the other issue. When we do play three in midfield with four at the back, we end up with only one person up front. At least Rashford or Martial way too isolated. And it had worked. I don't understand why it, it had been changed because for the last month, it's probably been our best form of the season. I and mean, with through playing three at the back or five at the back, whatever you want to call it. And then we go and change it in a game after the international break against a Sheffield United team that, all right, it might be Sheffield United, but they're a very good team at the moment. There's a reason they're they're comfortably ahead of us in the table. And yet we go there in a new formation, or at least a slightly new formation. We empty the midfield, which is where away games are typically won and lost. And especially this season is where United have lost a lot of their away games because we don't have control in the midfield. So we take an extra man out of there to play in a 3-4-3 formation that leaves us with all right, our three best attacking players on the pitch, which is great. But what's the point if we can never actually feed them the ball and get them into space? Because we were just coshed in on, in our own half for the entire first half. It was, I, I just don't understand. There didn't really seem to be any logic to it. And with the players that you're playing in there, as you said, they aren't reliable players. And so playing two in midfield is bad enough, I think, for our team at the best of times. But let alone when we have Fred and Pereira in there who... <laughs> you just can't trust to A, cover the ground and make stops defensively and B, to distribute the ball effectively to the front three to make use of having Dan James, Rashford and Martial all on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, I th- we'll talk about Pereira and Fred first and then the front three. I think uh, the shape and tactics clearly didn't help them because those are two midfielders that kind of need someone alongside them and they don't need each other alongside them. They need someone else. Um, but... Their, their ability to keep the ball is is pathetic. I mean, it, so many poor passes, so many poor touches, um, so many passes that would would force their opponent, not their opponents, but would force their teammates to to make a poor touch. And this is these are the two players in 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 such a formation that are absolutely vital to linking up a a, a a small midfield of two men to the wing backs who have a, a really difficult job to do into the, the the forward line and they just can't keep the ball well enough and if United did have a better set of midfielders neither Fred or Pereira would be a Premier League player for United they might occasionally get a chance in the Europa League and that's not even a given either they'd probably be on the bench so there's been a lot of a lot of praise for for Fred in particular, and, and a little bit for Pereira over the last few weeks. And I said this at the time: it's it's an improvement, yeah. But neither of them are good enough for United at, at, at the moment. And the fact that United miss Scott McTominay so much is an indictment of where this midfield is at. And that goes back, um, I'm afraid to say, yet again on on this podcast to the the lack of investment and and the 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 inabilities at the top of the of the football club. Yep, and this is exactly the worry that we had over the summer when Ander Herrera left. Neither of us was were particularly, I don't think, particularly angry or particularly upset that Herrera was leaving. I think we both kind of agreed that, you know, Herrera, Herrera yes, is a fan favourite and he's been a very good servant to the team United, but he isn't irreplaceable. The issue was that you then go and not replace him. You end up with what was already an area of weakness last each season ended up becoming even weaker coming into this season, which is frankly ridiculous. I mean, where on earth that was decided that was, that was a good idea and a good plan to go with going into the new season, quite frankly, is beyond me. And I think with Fred and Pereira specifically, 
you, you said they wouldn't be Premier League players for United. I'm not sure that they would be players for United at all if this was a, a sort of more normal situation and a club with competent people running it and competent investment coming in because they I think they're both very similar players for me in that in that they're both not good enough. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Um, I, I can't I can't disagree with that one. But I think they're they're so similar for me in the fact that they're quite scruffy on the ball and they're both ill-disciplined positionally. And it works when you have Scott McTominay sitting there behind them because McTominay has been so good at covering ground and sort of covering up their mistakes defensively. But you see them when they lose the ball, they go chasing it. They, they'll they chase the ball around for the next five or 10 seconds like a headless chicken. And all right, it might get a few claps and a few cheers from the crowd at Old Trafford because it looks like they're running their asses off for the team. But it's actually not very helpful because it ends up leaving a huge hole in midfield and none of our three forwards are the kind of forwards that should will be dropping back into midfield like Wayne Rooney used to do. And quite rightly so, because it's not, not their job. And so then we're left with this huge gaping hole in midfield. And when they're both doing it, it just magnifies the problem even, even more. Yeah, and I think they they did have a hard job with, with the, the setup that there was. But this is a it's been a consistent issue. And even in Fred's good performances, um, I'm trying to think, maybe it was the, the Brighton game where United played quite well. Is that I remember... I was at that game and Fred had a good day a lot of people were praising him while watching the game and after as well but you saw it I think it was like in the in late on in the game 80 85th minute where he just kicked the ball out of play while he was trying to find a teammate and you thought that is even in one of his good games that's a mistake from from Fred. Now, I remember I can't remember what game it is but um it might have been in the Europa League actually um Lee Dixon on NBC going absolutely crazy at how bad Fred's game was he was he felt like he was about to combust <laughs> yeah and I, I think to be fair to United attackers they weren't given great service but at the same time they were out of it for for a lot of that game and and partly because of the service but also th- th- their movement just wasn't good enough and this is a, a thing with Anthony Martial in particular now Dan James and Rashford scored, Dan James got two assists, I think, and, and played a part in the other goal as well. But Anthony Martial was, was was pretty absent for the for the majority of that game. And this is the the problem with him is that he's too inconsistent and when when he's on his game he is he's such a good player and he can have four or five good games in a row, but he can't perform every week and he's not the the striker that's gonna get United out of out of trouble and he wasn't against Sheffield United it was Rashford, Williams and Greenwood who got the goals and, and Dan James who was behind most of the, the attacking threat that United had so the, it, it's a concern for Martial It really is I, I you know we, we talked about before about the, the decision around whether Rashford or Martial should be starting up front regularly and which one of them should be playing on, on the left I think for me to be fair I think Solskjaer has settled on, on the right combination with Martial through the middle and Rashford off the left the problem with that is that Martial's movement is not good enough so that in games like yesterday against Sheffield United, when we are under pressure, his movement isn't good enough to create an outball for us. What you need in situations like that, which is what Rashford did so well against Liverpool at uh, Old Trafford a few weeks ago, is that you need someone willing to run in behind and get the defence turning and fa- running back towards their own goal. Because even if Martial doesn't end up getting that ball and we don't end up building an attack, it at least does two things. One, it gives our midfield and defence a little bit of a respite because it gives them... Rather than the ball coming straight back after two or three seconds, it might take five, 10, 15 seconds to come back. And then you're able to regroup. And the other thing it does, it allows the whole team to move up the pitch. And so we're not camped on our own box and we can get people moving up into, well, in this case, Sheffield United or the other team's half. Martial just doesn't do that. When you see him when, we have, when we're defending, he's kind of just standing in front of one of the centre-backs, hoping that the clearance will fall to him. Because what you need is as soon as we win the ball back, he should be busting a gut basically to run towards one of the corner flags of the opposition. 
And that that's the, the channel he should be running into. And he just doesn't do it. Rashford does a much better job. And I'm, I'm actually not saying that I think Rashford should be starting up front because I do think Martial is better suited to it. Martial needs to add this to, to his game because it's been a problem ever since he came to United in that he's great on the ball. He's a very clinical finisher. But if he if he doesn't get given the ball in space, he doesn't create his own space at all. His movement is is pretty poor. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's not the... It's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is that he isn't the 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 main man for United to turn things around. He is a he's a beneficiary of other people stepping up and, no. and changing the game for them. And, and um, I think you you see the contrast with that recently in, in the way that Rashford has stepped up and not only scored scored goals but scored important goals at important times. And I think for me, if there was a talismanic figure in this team at the moment. It's Marcus Rashford. Yeah, and I was saying this. I, I I tweeted out about this yesterday after the game. Is that there is this if if you can call it youth movement at Manchester United with the, with Williams starting at left back Greenwood coming off the bench Rashford, Martial James front three Pereira in midfield Twente occasionally playing in defence and Wan-Bissaka as well so United have this focus on youth and, and Marcus Rashford is, is the poster boy for that and I got some people replying saying what are you talking about he's, he's not consistent enough he's not good enough and I said well he's scored 10 in his last 11 games he's played in the World Cup semi-final he's won three trophies for Manchester United and scored more than 50 goals for the club and he's doing it on a regular basis and there's only one game in his last 11 I think where he hasn't scored and that was against Partizan Belgrade so this is uh, Rashford is the poster boy no matter how many how many weaknesses he has to his game in, in certain areas and sometimes he doesn't have great games but he is the he is the role model for United's current youngsters and on that topic we should move on to the the youth setup if if you haven't got anything else to say no I just think as I said sort of a, a short term wave of, of positivity I guess and to some extent in the fact that we brought the game back but there's massive concerns long term and we haven't even talked about about partially even Spurs and maybe coming to United. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll mention that a little at the end. Um, right, in uh, in the youth news, the under-18s drew 1-1 with Brighton at the weekend, the equalising goal coming from Shola Shortire. Next up is West Brom away on Tuesday evening. The under-23s won 3-0 against Sunderland at home. Two goals from Belgian Burundi-born Largi Ramazani and one from Ethan Galbraith, the Northern Irish midfielder. United's under-23s don't play until Tranmere in the EFL Trophy in December, so there's a chance for a lot of them to get uh, an opportunity in the Europa League game at Astana on Thursday which we're about to talk about we could see Laji Ramazani's had a, a really really good start to the season in the 23s quite a surprisingly good start to the season after being pretty good in the under 18s but not stand out he's scoring and assisting regularly so I'd like to see him involved Ethan Galbraith Dylan Levitt as well um, Dylan Everett was training with the first team on Saturday I think um, so we'll, we'll see about that but the the fact that United don't play as an under-23s group until um, start of December is, is good uh, good news to, to give a few of them the chance now in women's news United won 4-0 against Brighton it's the biggest WSL win for Casey Stoney's side ever so far James got one two from Galton and a penalty from Katie Zellum now Jack before we briefly talk about Mauricio Pochettino as you rightly pointed out Astana Thursday, a, a 3.50pm kickoff British time. It's going to be an incredible, incredible trip for those United fans who can make it out there. I looked at it, but um, my brother said he couldn't afford it. And he probably had a, a, a fair point, given it was about 500 quid to fly via Moscow to Astana and then get a 14-hour train back to Almaty and then fly to Moscow again and then back to back to London. So um, probably, probably not worth the money, <laughs> but it's, a, it's an opportunity to see a country that 
the kind of like United fans won't ever get again and Kazakhstan's not the kind of place that a lot of people go on holiday without the need to see a football game so it's a it's a great opportunity and and those who are going will enjoy it. eight euro tickets I think it's 47p a pint um, taxi journeys about a euro each and, and you can get a bed for five or ten euros a night as well so it will be a, a great trip do you think it'll be a, a great game I hope so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that away trip, those kind of prices, it'd probably end up being cheaper all in than a trip down to Chelsea or Arsenal to stay and drink in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> even, it's, with the, it's even possible. with the flight prices. Um, no, it should be a great, uh, a great experience for all the all the Reds going out there. And, you know, I hope they have a great time. The game itself, I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm not expecting much great, <laughs> much great to come out of this game. Um, I think I'll probably be Astana sitting very deep, United trying very hard to break them down. And probably not doing a great job at, at actually breaking them down. Um, wouldn't surprise me to see this end end up as either a nil nil or a one nil to United. I think it's going to be a, a relatively boring game with a lot of changes, and United really just trying to to not have any disasters. You know, yeah, we we've been winning our home games, and at the end of the day in Europe, that's really all you can ask for. So. I'd be very surprised if this is anything spectacular from either side. Yeah, well, United are looking to give some some young players uh, an opportunity in this game. As I said, Ramazani, Galbraith, Levitt, Greenwood, Garner, Gomez, Chong. There are there are plenty. Ethan Laird as well, and Brandon Williams, of course, as well. So there, there are plenty of players who Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants to give a chance to, and this is a, a really good opportunity to do that. So that's that's the positive thing that can come out of this game. But it's it's only really positive if if they have a decent game and and he won't want to throw too many in and, and make it. Too too difficult for them in what will undoubtedly be a, a, an interesting atmosphere at least in, in Kazakhstan and yeah. a, a really interesting trip as well and even if they don't play the experience of, of flying to Kazakhstan with, with the United first team will, will be a very good one as well um, I think I'm going to go Astana are a, a pretty poor team they actually played alright at, at United um, but against AZ Alkmaar uh, and Partizan Belgrade they've been beaten I think AZ Alkmaar beat them pretty comprehensively so United should be winning this one comfortably Having said that, we say that about a lot of games, and we have done over the last five years. So um, yeah. it's uh, it's probably not the best thing to say before we play a, a team like Astana uh, or or FC Midtjylland, and then suddenly get beaten two one away from home in in Norway or Kazakhstan. So, have you? Uh, is your prediction going to be a one nil win then? Yeah, I'll go one nil. Probably a late second half goal uh, after we've all had a two hours of immense fun watching United try yeah. and break down Astana. I'm actually. I'm going to go for a three-one United win. I'm going to be positive. I I think the one thing I'd say with this is is I I hope that we see Marcus Rashford given a rest because he's playing yeah. he's playing all the time and he's playing really well and he's clearly getting some confidence up by doing that. But we're going into a really tricky period and this is a kind of game that he doesn't need to be starting. United have already qualified. They've got Mason Greenwood who can come in, and and the same is probably true for Dan James as well. And um. And perhaps even Fred or Pereira, who are going to have to be playing a lot over the next few weeks, given the absence of, of McTominay and Pogba. So it's a it's a good opportunity in that sense. Now, very, very quickly before we wrap things up, Mauricio Pochettino um, has been sacked by Tottenham. Mourinho has gone to Spurs and, and won in his first game against West Ham 3-2. Pochettino is available. That is clearly, that is clearly adding the pressure to Solskjaer. And I said just before the game, um, talking elsewhere, that whenever the next loss or draw comes whenever United throw away a lead uh, I said this before the Sheffield United game suddenly there will be more pressure on Solskjaer because of the availability of Mauricio Pochettino now that is undoubtable should United go for him now should they go for him at the end of the season or should they just 
put it out of their minds, stick with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, and put some faith in him. It is, it is genuinely a, a very tough decision. I don't envy the board of having to make it. I think that the, the difficult part about it isn't so much in the, deciding whether or not we want Poch over Solskjaer because I think most people would agree that's not really much of a of a decision to make. I think Pochettino, by far and away, has proven to be a, a far better coach than, than Solskjaer. And I think if it came down to a choice between the two, we'd have to go with Pochettino. And I think most fans would accept the board being ruthless towards Solskjaer to get Pochettino in. I think the issue is that in an ideal world, I think most fans would probably agree that we'd like to keep Solskjaer until the end of this season, bring po- Pochettino in as soon as the season ends. So he has the full summer transfer window, a full pre-season uh, to, to train the players and, and get everything up to speed before the start of the year. The issue with that is I'm not sure Pochettino is going to be on the market for that long. Um, there are a number of clubs around Europe potentially looking for a new coach, kind of top of the list, Bayern Munich, uh, obviously just sacked Nico Kovac recently and p- rumours that PSG are looking to move on from Thomas Tuchel. So I think it, it, it's going to be tough to potentially wait on on this issue for that long it, it may end up with the board's hand being forced to make a decision one way or another ultimately I think if if Pochettino does move into another job within the next two to three months I don't think he'll ever be at United I don't think the board will, will move quickly enough everything that we've seen is them sort of looking towards inaction rather than being ruthless and I just don't see them moving that quickly to secure Pochettino but fingers crossed, because I do think if we could get him at the end of the season, it would be a perfect way to end Solskjaer's tenure without him being sort of unceremoniously pushed out and, and sacked. Uh, and it would be a nice kind of way to underline what he's done. He has stabilised United and he has helped us move forward, I think. But I think at this point we need a new coach, someone who is more tactically astute to really take us forward to the next level. Yeah, I understand the point about the, the timing and Pochettino's availability, but I do think... I think Solskjaer is, is the right person for United at the moment, and I think that's because of the of the failures of of the board. And if United had a, a better structure in place at the top, then I would say Pochettino absolutely, but they don't. And Solskjaer is doing things within United. He, he's trying to. I think there was a word in, in an Athletic in, in in an article in the Athletic earlier this week that said Solskjaer is trying to start his own internal revolution at United and it's not a combined effort necessarily with Ed Woodward or other people involved in the club it's him doing the things that he think is right now Pochettino would have his own ideas and, and the things that might help the club move forward and his own demands perhaps but Solskjaer is, is changing the way United are doing and I think even at the end of this season that, that won't be finished yet if Pochettino is still available then wants to come to United then United might have to bite the bullet and go for it but there is a part of me that thinks well we've done this before we've given three pretty good managers jobs before at United and and they haven't been successful the board hasn't got behind them so why would it be different with Pochettino and I don't think there's an answer to that necessarily so it's Harry for for you then what what has changed since the summer because we spoke over the summer and and we both kind of said if Pochettino is available you go out and get him yeah obviously a little bit has changed in terms of the form has picked up a little bit recently and, and over the summer we were coming off the back of the horrendous end to last season. But what what has changed for you in, in that time? Because for me, that's, that's exactly why I'm saying I think Pochettino is the man to go for because I don't see that much has changed since the, the end of last season. And for me, Solskjaer hasn't done enough to warrant us not going out and getting a clearly superior manager. 
Yeah, I understand. I don't think he's done enough in terms of, of, of on the pitch, but there's been three really astute signings, three signings that have proved their, their worth already. He's improved the, the performances of Marcus Rashford, temporarily at least Anthony Martial. Dan James has settled in really well. He's given uh, chances to someone like Brandon Williams, who's now starting every week and is probably United's first choice left back. Mason Greenwood, is, is his development has been handled really well. He's not been rushed in, but he's also getting played enough to, to have scored his fourth goal against Sheffield United. Rashford, as I say, has 19 goals or assists and it's only November this season so there are there certainly some things but also he is working to, to change the, the culture if you like at United and I think Pochettino would do that in, in a similar way but I think Solskjaer and this is the, the big and perhaps only positive about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's manager of United is that he understands what is needed to turn this club around and Pochettino might do that as well but I, I do have faith that Solskjaer is doing the right things certainly to set up um, United uh, to, to benefit in the future he might not be the, the beneficiary of it he might not be the man to lift the title but I think um, he, he is doing the right things at the moment now Pochettino being available in summer clearly makes that trickier but we'll, we'll see about that at the time I think certainly you give Solskjaer until the end of the season Yeah I, th- I think that, that is definitely the ideal the ideal scenario I, uh, for me I just look at this as in I think this is a, a seminal moment in the history of Man- Manchester United in that we are at crossroads here of, of do we appoint Pochettino and potentially improve obviously there's absolutely no guarantee that that will end up making us substantially better but for me actually it's an opportunity that we can't waste and I don't think things could get much worse from where we are at the moment so we don't have too much to lose in trying to do it and I understand the argument about Solskjaer trying to change the culture but unfortunately I think to some extent a lot of what he says has, has sort of been lip service for uh, to to some extent it's obviously some of it has been very good. I do think there has been something of a culture shift, but I don't think it's been as big as we all first hoped and and he wanted over the summer. And so for me, I just don't see enough progress being made week to week to warrant us sticking with Solskjaer over Pochettino, who I see as a clearly superior manager and also someone who has managed to change the culture at both Southampton and Spurs during his time in England. Yeah, I get that. And I think that's that's probably a more pragmatic view and um, the, the, the status of Solskjaer and the way that he... he um, puts himself about probably helps uh, my opinion of him to be be so positive um, and I think yeah I, I, I understand both points of view but I think for now you, you wait until the end of the season see how Solskjaer does and if you need to make a change you make a change but any decision any, any even thought of a decision now is, is too early because Solskjaer has got a long term contract and has started to do things slightly differently right we must wrap up we've gone um, over time a bit on Series 5, episode 16 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.